Welcome back to Ravel Radio. I'm your host, Kara Steinman, and today we're talking about imposter syndrome. It's a feeling we can all relate to and personally has been a huge barrier for me and many other women I know when it comes to confidently putting our thoughts and opinions and our work out into the world. As socially conscious entrepreneurs, that is a big problem because when we shrink away from visibility, it's not just our bottom line that suffers. Letting imposter syndrome win and staying small limits our ability to make an impact in the world. It keeps us quiet when speaking up could make all the difference for our business and society. And since I'm a compulsive problem solver who can't stand the idea of women being silenced, I invited Nancy Medoff on the show to help us talk through this issue and see if we can't make some headway in squashing it. She's got some interesting ideas on the topic that I think will be helpful for any of us who want to step out of the shadows and wield our expertise and thought leadership with more confidence. Nancy is globally recognized as an authority on women and confidence, and she won't stop until every woman everywhere can step into their strengths and show up like they own the room. After close to three decades of walking her talk in corporate sales leadership, Nancy is now a best-selling author, keynote speaker, top 25 podcaster, and executive coach who has literally written the book on women and confidence. Her book is Unmute Yourself and Speak Up to Stand Out. It's a game changer and a call to action for women who are not just ready to get their seat at the table, but to help build a bigger table. On the more personal side, she's also a diehard foodie, two-time marathoner, and Cape Cod purist. When she's not traveling for work, you can find her four-wheeling in the dunes on outer Cape Cod, diving into the latest bestseller on the beach, or redecorating her home like a baller on a budget. Let's talk to Nancy. All right, here we go. We're going to talk about imposter syndrome. Love it. Nancy, what is the deal with imposter syndrome? Tell us. Talk to us. Oh, Kara, Kara, Kara. So I used to love the concept of imposter syndrome. And I'm going to give a little spoiler alert because I think you might disagree with me. And then I think I'm going to be able to take you over to my side by the end. So imposter syndrome was first made famous by Sheryl Sandberg. It's been around forever, but, and she did a Ted talk several years ago, huge Ted talk, millions and millions and millions of viewers. And it was a great talk. And it was about how women feel uncertain because of how they're socialized and because of what they're told and because of how they're raised so that when they become adults, they are less likely to speak up. Then I started to notice over the past couple of years, maybe, um, women using imposter syndrome as a crutch and as a limiting belief. So what we do as women is we take a feeling, I feel unsure, I feel uncertain, I feel like I don't belong, and we wrap it up in a bow and we say, I have imposter syndrome. I can't, I can't write the book. I have imposter syndrome. I can't get on stage. I have imposter syndrome. Oh, I would be doing this, but I have imposter syndrome. What I've learned in all my years of research is that men have the same feelings. They have the same feelings. The difference is they do it anyway. So the men feel the same, but they take the chance and they take the risk. And women are limiting their behaviors by believing and catastrophizing this concept of, I feel like an imposter. Like when you hear the word syndrome, what do you, how do you feel? How does it make you feel? Oh, terrible. That's... I don't want a syndrome. Are you sick? Do you have, so 
So it's, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's been interesting because it, because it's talked about a lot in my business and I need to be really careful how I, how I approach it. And it's usually, Hey, I get it. I, I, I get nervous. It doesn't matter how many times, anytime I'm, uh, before I'm getting on a big stage, I will get nervous. Now I know that it's a feeling and I've trained myself how to overcome the feeling. I don't, let it stand in my way. I acknowledge it. I expect it. I accept it. I get over it and I move on. And I see thousands and thousands of women using imposter syndrome as an excuse to not do the thing because they're afraid and because they're uncertain. Do you think it's possible that I'm with you? And I I know, no, 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 no. I'm just thinking, I'm thinking because I, I thought you were going to tell me that like, maybe the feeling wasn't valid or that the feeling wasn't there, but you're saying it's just, it's a feeling. It's not a syndrome. Like nothing's Correct. wrong with you. You're having a feeling that a lot of people have yep. and that we shouldn't use it as an excuse not to take action, not to do the thing. So my question is, do you think it's possible because fear and excitement are such closely related feelings that maybe we are even misinterpreting the feeling sometimes? I cannot believe you just asked me that. And I have to tell you why. So I have, this is not even planned, everybody listening. I have three ways to overcome the feeling. So the first is to remember or recall, right? I call the three R's. Recall a time that you had a similar situation where you were nervous, where you nailed it. So in my case, you know, I think about the last time I spoke and um, was the I think about the end when the audience came up to me afterwards and there was a line out the door and all of that stuff. So that's recall. And then I have um, redirect. So it's to redirect the anxiety into excited energy. So yes, is the long answer to your question. If, if you are nervous or you're anxious, redirect it, make it into excited energy because excited energy is contagious. Excited energy is going to get your dopamine up. Excited energy is going to make it fun. We, we didn't, you know, we didn't all start our businesses to not have fun. So, so if you can take it and just redirect it and turn it into excited energy, you're golden. And I just had this conversation. So I have a little um, granddaughter, my, um, my stepson is in his late thirties and she's five and she had a ballet recital and it was her first recital and she was very nervous and she was very upset about it. Cause she was really nervous. And I'm like, so honey, tell me what's going on. Are you like, are you only nervous? Like, are you only scared? You have to be feeling something else. And she said, well, no, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm a little excited. I said, Oh, okay. You're excited. She said, yeah. I said, okay, great. So focus on the excitement, honey. Don't try not to pay attention to being nervous. Think about how excited you are, you know, like talk, literally like talking to a four-year-old. Think about how exciting it's going to be and how excited you are. And, and she, she, big smile broke out. She, you know, she was less nervous. I'm not going to say she wasn't nervous at all, um, but she was less nervous and she crushed it. She had a great time. I mean, if a four-year-old can do it, we can do it. Yeah. We, I love that you said we did not get into business to not have fun. Yeah, that's that's when I know that something has to change in my business. That's when I know something has to change, either in my life or in my business. Yeah, but that's if that's I'm, exactly yeah. the feeling that I I was when I melted down a few years ago and like fired all my clients and <laughs> just tried to find myself for like six months. That was the feeling was sitting there going, "This is not fun. I am not. This can't be what is, I can't. This can't be it. Like, why am I not having more fun? Why is this mm-hmm. not like God? Doesn't this feel good? 
And that, that affects, that energy affects everything. It affects your totally. clients. It affects your mindset. They can feel it. They can sense it. You're, you're operating from a, from a place of, you know, I don't know, misery. <laughs> that yeah. might be a little, it, uh, it affects how, what kind of energy you attract when you, exactly. when you have fun and when you can frame things, like you said, as fun, yeah. people, fun, people want to hang out with other fun people. <laughs> Exactly. I didn't, you know, if I didn't want to have fun, I'd go back to the corporate world and grind and, you know, have someone else pay my insurance and do all that stuff. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. It's not, it's not easier running your business than working for somebody else. It's just not for everybody to work for someone else. So, okay. So, so you've got, you've got to recall, you've got to reframe, right? Remember reframe. You know, I can never remember the third it's recall, uh, redirect and, the other one is, I think, remember that um, everybody experiences the same feeling, including mm-hmm. the men. Okay. And the difference is so recall, they do redirect, and remember. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You know, um, Jennifer Lopez, Jane Fonda, uh, Lady Gaga, all of them, all of them say, you know, yes, I've I've experienced this feeling. So if if J Lo can, if J Lo is nervous before going on a stage, why would I think I wouldn't be? So it just kind of, you know, it's just, it's, it kind of de, de-elevates the whole thing and brings it down to, okay, this is a feeling and like any other feeling I can, I can deal with it rather than this big syndrome. Do you think women experience that kind of fear more often or in a different way than men? Just curious what you think about that. I think women experience a lot very differently than men. I think that women are more often than not spoken over in meetings. I think that women, I I think women experience a a hellacious amount of uh, microaggressions, disrespect, whatever you, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think that, I think that I don't, I think men are nervous as many times as women. And I'll tell you why I think that. So I do a lot of um, speeches and keynotes, and I will always ask the men in the audience, can you tell me, can you think of a time when you are nervous or you felt like impost- an imposter? Every single one of them, every single time says absolutely all the time. Every single one of them. I was on a call a couple of weeks ago for International Women's Day and the CFO was on the call. <clears throat> I didn't know him, but he seemed like a good guy. And I said, I'm going to ask Mike, Mike, I'm going to ask you, do you ever feel like an imposter? And he said, all the time. Yes, daily, daily. So, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of women out there who who might interpret me saying this as it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. I think when you let it hold you back is when it becomes a problem and when it becomes a little bit more about how are you showing up? Are you letting the feeling stop you or are you saying I'm going to do it anyway like the men do? Yeah. I heard something recently and I don't remember who said it, I wish I could, but who said that imposter syndrome, if you are essentially a novice or somebody who is not an expert, um, you you don't have imposter syndrome. You can't have imposter syndrome. You you kind of know that you're new at this and you're trying it and you're more likely to have, what is they called? The Dunning-Kruger effect where you have um, it's like the opposite of imposter syndrome, where you're way more confident in your abilities than you should be, and you think you're an expert, <laughs> but you're really not. Yeah. And you only can feel that kind of. Maybe we need a new name for it. A friend of mine used to call it charlatan complex. It wasn't like 
a syndrome, which I loved because technically like, I, love I, think, that. I think imposter implies like malice, whereas charlatan is just dressing up as something you're not, which is sort of what maybe it feels like. She used to have a great article, but I don't think she's doing her business anymore. So it's offline, but um, yeah, charlatan complex. I think we need to rename it personally. I, I will. Well, I've asked everybody, uh, the people that listen to my podcast, the people that I train to call it imposter feeling. I mean, I don't know that that's necessarily going to trend on Twitter, um, but I think that we can start just by like, even if you think about it, words matter, words oh, yeah. matter. I so was just thinking say, I have to go Google co- complex versus syndrome. If I was going to make a decision about this, I was actually just about to do that. Um, okay. <laughs> I was just going to do that. So it matters. It matters how you talk to yourself. It matters what you say. So is it, again, it's not, you're, you're, it's, it's not a disease that you're not sick. It's a feeling. So say feeling it's interesting. Cause I just had this conversation with a friend of mine. I have a friend who's in business and it's a, it's a male and his business is he's, he's having some challenges right now with his business. Everybody goes through them. He's in his first year of business. And I was asking about a few things and he said, well, I can't afford that right now. We can't afford that right now. And I said, I'm going to ask you to, to say that differently. He said, what do you mean? I, I want you to say, it's not a priority for me right now because you could do it. You could do it. You could spend the money on this, on the marketing or the, you know, whatever it was. You're choosing not to It's because it's not a priority. Right now, your priority is to do something else with that money. And he's like, okay, I'll try it. And he said it a couple of times, you know, in the normal course of us talking. And his whole affect was different. His whole demeanor was different. It wasn't, I can't afford that right now. And, you know, then getting himself depressed, he was like, he was in control. He, you know, he said, that's not a priority right now. Great. I could see. That's so, that's so I true. I freaking love that because that's one of the things that I look at when I'm helping someone figure out their core values and what drives them is what do you spend money? What are you willing to spend a shitload of money on? Oh, and where are you a tight Because that really great. shows when you're willing to put your money down for something, then I mean, our values are written all over our lives, whether we like it or not. So, okay. Okay. So I got you right here. Check this out. Check this out. Syndrome. Um, so a group of symptoms, which consistently occur together, a condition. I don't like that. That doesn't feel good. Let's right. see what complex. Maybe this is a little bit better. A group of emotionally significant ideas that are completely or partially repressed and the okay. psychic conflict leading to abnormal mental states or behavior. I mean, Both a little if aggressive. you, yeah, they're both a little aggressive. Well, maybe we'll think on it. Maybe we'll think on it. Imposter feeling. Imposter feeling works too. Yeah. I'm okay. feeling like I'm feeling like this. That doesn't mean it's true. Doesn't mean you can't change. Like you said, I, I love your framework for it. Yeah. It, and it works. It works. I don't even, I don't even think about it anymore. I don't even think I have imposter syndrome. I just think I'm, I'm nervous. That's really, if you think about it, you're either nervous, you're self-conscious or you're anxious. Yeah. I mean, fear is just, we're afraid. We're afraid to look like we don't belong. Like we don't know what we're talking about or do like what we're doing. I think women, this is my own personal opinion. I don't know if it's true. I think women have more fear around putting ourselves out there because we're more isolated. We don't have like each other's backs in the same way that men seem to. And so we we're like sitting over here, not sure if everybody else is experiencing the same thing we're experiencing. So we think it's just us when real reality, if you get like to talking to one of your biz besties or a girlfriend, you really quickly figure out that we're all like feeling the same way about all these things. And it's really like not that big a deal. 
Okay. So this is, I have to share the story and I might get choked up <clears throat> because what you said, fear of putting themselves out there. Uh, so I did a bunch of keynotes over the past month, Women's History Month. Um, and I will always ask the women, tell me about a time, throw a note in the chat, raise your hand, whatever the case may be. Um, tell me about, you know, anything that, that you were told, uh, anybody, anything anybody said to you or anything that happened to you when you were younger that you believe now impacts your desire to raise your hand or your, your willingness to raise your hand and put yourself out there. Kara, I did this on a call and the chat, I've never seen this happen. It completely blew up. There were hundreds and I started getting emotional on in the session. So imagine seeing the chat feed and the chat feeds just running and running and running and running, right? And in the feed is, I was told I'm too bossy. I was told I was too confident. I was told to keep my opinions to myself. I was told this, I was told this. Every single woman has been told that she's too much or she's a bully or she's too assertive or whatever the case may be. And that is a huge reason for why we don't speak up. Why would you? Why would you? If every time it could be your family, it could be your parents, it could be your siblings, it could be your spouse, your partner, it could be anybody saying to you, maybe you need to tone it down a little bit. Or, you know what, that might have been a little much or, you know, whatever, whatever was said. Why would you raise your hand? Every time you do, you get you get shot down. Well, I'll share with you a story about why I had for such a long time a visceral response to the word leadership. I was I was really bossy and like to organize people and tell everybody what to do. And here we go. We're going to do it this way when I was younger. And then at one point, I remember a teacher chastised me in front of everybody and was like, Kara, basically back off. You need to let somebody be in charge. You can't always be in charge. Like, mm -hmm. stop trying to take over everything. Mm -hmm. um, and I still remember like feeling so embarrassed and like, oh, my God, just like publicly in front of the class, like, of course. oh, so, so guess what I'm not going to do now? I'm not going to raise my hand. I'm not going to like stand up and tell everybody which way to go. I'm just going to let somebody else take, take charge. Cause it's way less painful to sit back than it is to be like embarrassed or feel like there's something wrong in front of all your peers. And, and that story, how old were you when this happened? Oh, I couldn't have been more than like 11 or 12. So the, that that's what I mean. So so you were twelve years old, maybe even younger. And you're still, yeah, and you're you still remember it. You still remember it. So all of us have a story like that. We, you know, what the what what I turn this into. One of my key points is we all have baggage. We all have baggage that we bring with us. And I'm not saying that the baggage is bad. It's it's just it just is. We all have these experiences. What you do with that? That's a choice. You can't control what other people say to you. You can't control how your teacher talks to you or what ridiculous things you've been told. You, you can't control that. What you control is, am I going to let that, am I going to let that stop me from negotiating with this client? Am I going to let that stop me from charging my worth, from raising my prices, from knowing that I'm not going to do this for free because I'm worth more. So it's, it's, you know, it's re again, it's recognizing and understanding this is a feeling and I can overcome that feeling. It, I, it, stories like that, I hear them all day, every day, all day, every day. 
It breaks my heart. That's not even like the don't be so sensitive or don't be so like bossy sensitive. You said them all. Like, I don't think you missed a single one for me. <laughs> it's it's wild. So my granddaughter, again, uh, people very close to her will tell her, stop being so bossy. And I will jump right in there every time. And I'll say, actually, I prefer to think of it as she's demonstrating her leadership skills. Because I'm not, no way, no way is someone going to, no way is somebody going to do that to her at that age. Yeah, it, It's wild. It's wild. What's wild. so sad about that too, is that those are the things that tend to be our strengths because, and they stand out so much that somebody's afraid of them when we're young and they get reframed mm-hmm. as a liability. And then we grow up and we turn 40 and we sit there and we're like, why am I so miserable? I feel, I feel like I'm supposed to be doing something here in this life, but like, why can I not see what it is? Cause we've been trying to squash down our strengths for so long. Like, but what if we like liberate them? What if being bossy was what I was put here to do? And I'm supposed to organize people and like connect people. And what if I'm not doing it? Do you just feel uncomfortable all the time when you're, when you're trying to be something you're not, that's not fun. Did you just look at all my new copy on my website? Cause that is exactly my, what I, what I, that's exactly how I coach. No, I think you and I just think a lot. Uh, We really do. Like what you just said is legit part of my copy. It's, um, you know, if you think there's something more for you, there is, it's, it's, there is, and it is so loaded. And I promise you that once you step into your strengths and you do what you know that you were meant to do, you will never look back. Your whole life will change. Your whole life will change. And a lot of people, like I call it the spark. They lost the spark. Like the spark is gone. Totally. You know, they're kind of, and I compare it to a lot of people will wait for someone else to come along and help them light the match. Maybe it's a partner. Maybe it's, you know, they just wait. They wait for someone to light it. I didn't wait. I I didn't wait. I decided enough is enough. I lit my own match to spark my own spark. And then I use that to really set my whole life on fire. I mean, nothing is the same. Nothing is the same once you step into who you are meant to be. Nothing's the same. And it's available to anyone. Anyone. I don't even think I realized for a long time that I was a different type of person for a long time than I was when I was little until my mom came down to visit and help take care of my son when this is years and years ago when I got sinus surgery. She came down to help and we were looking at old pictures and talking and she started saying something about how I used to be such a determined, outspoken, like single-minded, nobody was going to change my mind. She's saying all these things about me and like the leadership thing. You're such a leader, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't know who you're talking about, but it's not me. I'm like, I'm 35 at the time. I was like battling depression and anxiety, couldn't keep a job, just like so freaking hot mess all the time is how I felt. And I'm like, where's that kid? Cause I could really fucking use her right now to be around like, and tell me what to do with my life. But it's scary when you think about a person, like the person that you're supposed to be or the person that's inside of you that has that spark. How's that going to change your life? Is your spouse going to like, if you, if you're in a happy marriage and you don't want to fuck things up, you don't want to be the one that like upsets the balance of things. Cause even if the bad things get better, you might, things will change when you unleash who you are and you might not be super, people aren't going to be super comfortable with that always. Okay. So much to unpack here. Um, This is awesome. So I want to hear about how you made the change or what, if there was a moment when you made the change, but um, so I would say, so my husband has been with me when I was in the corporate world and when I opened my own business, <clears throat> we weren't married at the time that I left my company uh, or that I left my career and started my own business. And I remember 
I remember one day I just, I, I couldn't do it anymore. I could not do it anymore. And I sat on my bed and I bawled my eyes out and I'm not a crier. And I said, we were, we were engaged. And I said, if you want to postpone the wedding, let's postpone the wedding. Cause I cannot, I cannot go back to work another day. I can't. And we didn't, you know, we didn't postpone the wedding, blah, blah, blah. But the reason why I'm saying this is because why wouldn't he want me to be who I'm supposed to be? You know, like he, if you're, if your partner truly adores you and is with you and loves you, yes, it upsets the balance. There are, there are other people in your life who might not like it. And there are a lot of people in my life who don't like it, but my, the people closest to me, they're like, there she is. They see me thriving. They see me helping other people. They see me happier. They, you know, of, of course, of course they, they'll support you. And if they don't, well, then that's another conversation. That's another, that's another conversation. I, I totally agree with you. And I would, I would add that it's always more about them. Any resistance is always more about their fears than it is about yours. My husband, you had, I had a moment similar to what you're talking about. The last time I was employed by somebody, I was working for a mortgage broker, like totally far away from my values. I was like the, the whole marketing department was me. And I was, I've never had worse depression and anxiety in my life, Mm -hmm. except for one other time that was different. But I, I basically just completely melted down and I came home one day and I was like, um, so I quit my job today. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll figure it out again. I always do. I'm but but I'm never going back to work again. He, my husband had a lot of fear around entrepreneurship because he had seen his dad not do well in business. Mm. And so he couldn't stand the inconsistency. Like he wanted me to have a job that was, you know, steady or whatever. And so I I would kind of acquiesce a lot of times and just go back to work because it is it is scary. There is some uncertainty there, but I don't mind. So at that point though, that was like 6 or 7 years ago now. Um, at that point, I said, I don't care if you're afraid. I can't survive going back to work. So after 15 or 16 years of having our finances together, the only solution we could come up to- with was to separate our finances. And it felt like a divorce. I'm not fucking kidding you. It was, I cried, I sobbed. I was totally in because it was the only way I was going to get my independence to have a business and do what I wanted to do was to be like, all right, well, you finance, like, you're in charge of this. I'm in charge of this. We'll split the Mm -hmm. kids stuff, but -hmm. it was really scary. And I'm so glad we did it. So glad. Yeah. I mean, I, I really, I wish, like I said, I wish more people knew that it's available to anybody. You're not, I'm not special. I I just, I took the leap. I took the leap. I'd had enough and I just, I did it. And guess what? The people who love you, the people who are supposed to be in your life, they get over it and they see that you're happy and they see that you're thriving and they're like, Oh, Hey, this version of you is pretty awesome. Where have you been? Yep. Yep. They're Why proud have you been of so you. miserable yeah. up until this point? Yeah. I know. I know. It's really, it's really wild. It's really wild, but that's a good, you know, it's a good point. Like, you know, everybody it's tough going out on your own because, and I know I'm preaching to the choir. Everybody's got an opinion. Oh yeah. Everybody's sure. got an opinion. And so again, what, what you choose to do with that, I actually just did an episode on unsolicited feedback. We I just posted it. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got an opinion. So who gave it to you? Was it solicited? What you know? It, and it is it is about them. So h- how much headspace are you going to let that take up? Is it right. is a good is a good way to look at it? Yeah. And yeah. I think having your why. I've heard you talk about this before too. Like as far as um, 
putting yourself out there and finding the courage to do it anyway is concerned. I think the, the key is being really in touch with why you're doing this. Like, why does it matter to you? What do you want to see change in the world? Because as scary as whatever it is we're doing is, if the only way to get that done is to speak up and do something and it's important enough, you're going to do it. Damn the consequences. Damn the consequences. I, um, yeah, I have an exercise. It's called the five why. And it's where you ask yourself, why do I want to do this the first time? And then the second time you say, well, why is that important to you? And the third time, why is that important to you? By the time you get to the fifth why, it can be, it's very powerful. It is very powerful. I've done it a few times with myself and I I do it with my clients all the time. And it, it is almost never what people think. I heard you make the host cry on the last podcast I listened to you on. So I was hoping we could avoid that one today. I mean, that was something. That but was yeah, something. I, I felt it when I heard that. I was, you know, kind of going through my why in my head along with you. And I could feel myself myself start to get choked up getting to the getting close to what's at stake if I don't do what I'm supposed to do here. What's important? That's exactly it. That's exactly it. What is the what is the great evil that will continue if I don't put myself out here in a meaningful way? Yeah, it's something. It's some and you can do that for anything. Like you can do it if totally. you want to lose weight, you can do it if you want to, you know, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's pretty powerful. It's pretty yeah, powerful. Yeah, that is powerful. Yeah. Yeah. You're not gonna cry, are you? <laughs> I c- I could easily cry at any moment on any given day at any time. Yes. I'll do it with you. I'll do it with you <laughs> if you want. I totally afterwards. am a crier. It terrifies people. Which is oh, that's so, so funny. funny. That's great. That's yeah. No, I probably won't cry today. Okay. Not PMSing enough, not quite enough. Okay. With well, unless you want to share your why. And then so my why, it depends on what for. So, oh, eesh, yeah, this is big. So this is my why. Oh, my why for why I wrote my book. Um, somebody very, very close to me when I was younger, and I can't share her name. Um, something very horrific happened to her. And <laughs> I'm going to get choked up. Something very, I can't look at you. Something very horrific happened to her. And she spoke up and she taught me how to spoke up, speak up. And when she spoke up, nothing changed. And as a result, she did not speak up the rest of her life. And she spent her whole life in the background, never really living her life. And so she taught me how to speak up when she, when she couldn't do it for herself in the most catastrophic of circumstances. So I made it my mission to help women speak up uh, because I see what happens when they don't or when they don't or when they do and nothing happens and they just let it go. So that's kind of a long answer to your question, but it's pretty, uh, it was, it's pretty, it's that's pretty powerful. Uh, That'll keep driving you a memory memories like that. It's pretty, it's pretty substantial. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I don't open with that, but that's really my, um, no, I, yeah, I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I, I have had to get dig really hard to find my why, because I'm so emotional that everything feels like a why sometimes, (laughs) but if I'm really being honest, like there's one moment that really stands out for me and like the reason that I want to help make business easier and more fun for women entrepreneurs so that they can have more success and make it less complicated and less messy and hard is that when I was working, one of the times I was working for an agency, they required me to be on site. And I was 
I was writing their content and I had, it was one of these like agencies where it was all noisy all day long. And I'm like highly sensitive. So I've got my earbuds jammed in my ears all day long while everyone's playing foosball and I'm trying to write. And I was just like overwhelmed senses all day long. And I also had to drop my kid off and he was like seven or eight, seven, maybe I had to drop him off at school way early and way late to get to the job and get all dressed up and stress out about what to wear and be around people. And all day. And I remember one morning I dropped him off super early and he started crying and he was like, mom, why do I have to go early? I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And I was like, me too. He's like, why do I have to go? And I was like, honestly, dude, I don't know. I don't know. And I promise you, like we've got two or three weeks left till summer. I promise you that next year, when you start school, you will never, you will never have to do this again. I promise you I'll figure it out. And so I can't say that I never went back to work for someone else again, because I did pop in and out, but I never had to drop him off. I never took a position that compromised me having to be able to prioritize the things that were important to me just because mm-hmm. I was a mom. Mm-hmm. And I like that freedom, the freedom to make the choices and prioritize what, what means a lot to me was not having that choice really, really offended me and pissed me off. And I think that a lot of women suffer because they have to make that choice. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's powerful. That's, that's, it I, feels, I'm it not feels gonna... really shitty when you feel like you're letting every freaking person down in the world that is important to you. Mm, it does. It does. It does. It, it, especially yourself. Totally. Because you're you're acting out of alignment with your values. Your value mm-hmm. is your kid yeah. and your and family. The values thing. Yeah. I speaking up. It, it's not just like at work, right? It's at home. It's it's how how do we advocate, right, for what is important to us and meaningful? Because we've all got a competing agendas, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean we don't have to stand like stand up and say what we think is important. Yeah. And it's really just, you know, it's boundaries. I just think about it as boundaries. boundaries. Life-changing. Am I right? Yeah. I didn't really grow up with a lot of boundaries and I realized- I grew up with none. None. (laughs) Okay. I will, I will admit then that yes, there were, there were like negative none at my house. And I didn't, I realized, I remember when I realized that I had to put boundaries in place with clients years ago and I couldn't figure out like, well, what boundaries, like what, what do I, what do I put in place? And it wasn't until I figured out that they were tied to core values. Like if I value freedom, I should probably not be available all day long to clients Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and things like that. So it was like, okay, well, now that I know my core values, I know what I should and shouldn't put in place to keep myself happy and healthy and well. Game changer. Like, wait a minute. I get to tell people what I will and will not do. Wait, wait, I'm in charge of how people treat me? What? (laughs) It's wild. What? Game changer. Totally. Game changer. Oh God, we could have a whole nother conversation about just about boundaries. Exactly. Maybe we we will. Maybe we will. Well, in the meantime, I know we have to wrap it up here, but in the meantime, I want to give you big hugs and kisses and thank you for being here. And where can everybody connect with you? You can connect with me anywhere. LinkedIn, Nancy Medoff, Instagram, Nancy underscore Medoff. Uh, I have a website, nancymedoff.com. I have a podcast, Unmute Yourself, the podcast. It's excellent. Unmute Yourself on Amazon. Get the book. The book's awesome. It's on Audible too. It's on Audible. Did you listen to the Audible? I totally did. I was driving all day that day and I jammed through it like nothing. It was awesome. Uh, It was awesome. You were awesome. All right. Okay. I'll take it. Um, and I'm actually going to adapt the book and release a new one called unmute yourself at home. And I'm looking for women to interview. So if anybody listening wants to be a part of that, follow me on social because I'm going to start posting some information about it. I really, I need to get, because I'm not a mom. I didn't have kids. 
And I got married very late in life. So I don't have that experience. So I, I need someone to, to tell me everything. That aspect and, of it. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I know there's different, there's different ways that we have to be or feel muted and having kids is just another different aspect of it. Right. But yeah, totally. I bet you we'll post something in Ravel and get you some, get you some good stuff. I have a couple people I'm thinking about right now, actually. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, And who knows, maybe it maybe at the Ravel celebration that you're going to plan in the middle of the country. So we can all go. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Great. We will, we will meet there and we will do the thing. What's the middle, Idaho? I don't know. Oh, I'm not going to Idaho right now. That sounds cold. I don't, uh, well, not right now. Later, maybe. We need yeah, to have lots sure. more meetups. But anyway, yes, we will All definitely right. do this. So everybody right. connect with Nancy and um, and fall in love with her like I did. Thank you, friend. <laughs> I love it. One more quick note on imposter syndrome before we go. I have discovered that a great way to manage these imposter feelings is to maintain a close network of referral partners and collaborators in my inner circle. It's pretty hard to doubt your skill and expertise when people are regularly recommending you and talking about you, saying how great your work is behind your back. It's just impossible. Plus, when you let down your guard and connect deeply with other women in business, you discover you're all feeling the same things and struggling with similar issues. Having a supportive community makes business and life easier. If you're a purpose-driven, socially conscious, B2B service entrepreneur without a community, I invite you to check out the Ravel Collective, where we are changing the way women network in a way that supports our mental health and well-being, as well as our bottom line. You can find us and apply on our website at ravelcollective.com. And of course, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out and connect with me, Kara Steinman, on LinkedIn. Links in the show notes. See you next time.